All right, we're getting set for another episode of the Buckhead Podcast. Rich Casson over here in our Buckhead Studios for the Pro Business Channel. This morning, or today, we have Everett Katz here. Uh, if you've been in Atlanta any amount of time, you've probably run across this guy or read some of his content from sports writer to uh, a news reporter, and that a lot of that's been happening here in Atlanta, and uh, we're going to be chatting with him in just a minute, so stay tuned. Here we go. It's time once again for another episode of the Buckhead Business Show. Being brought to you by the Buckhead Business Association. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. And now, here's your host for today's episode. All right, Rich Casanova here alongside Everett Katz joining me here in the studio. Everett, good morning to you. Morning. So you ready for, uh, I know you're famous, now we're going to make you super famous. Right. <laughs> we may shut down the internet, we'll find out. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> right, that'd be great. So we can take, all take the holiday off, right? All right, so I appreciate your time here in the studio. As we mentioned, a, uh, he's a veteran journalist, over 23 years of experience. He looks about 24, I'm sure you get that all the time, right? Um, I do. Which is a great thing, right? At 80, you'll look like 40. Exactly. <laughs> it's as long as you feel like 40, that's the trick. All right, so you've worked as a sports writer, as we mentioned, a sports editor and news editor for several newspapers and websites throughout Atlanta and uh, Georgia throughout. What, have you ever worked outside the market much or, I guess, traveled or um, any picked up any freelancing outside the um, this hemisphere? Or? Nothing outside Georgia. I worked, I've worked for um, several metro Atlanta newspapers, mainly the neighbor newspapers right. and the Mayor Daily Journal, but also um, – Back when I was living in St. Simons Island from 2002 to 2003, I uh, worked as a freelance writer <clears throat> for the AJC covering okay. some um, high school basketball and golf um, state tournaments nice. for them. And so, and then I also worked for the Union Recorder newspaper in Milledgeville, Georgia, uh, once just for a couple of, st- wrote a couple of articles for them way back in 1995, right, right after I graduated from college when I was living there for about nine months. And then I moved back. To Milledgeville in 98 and worked there as sports editor for the paper um, for two and a half years. And that was a lot of fun because um, I got to travel some around the southeast, mainly yeah. in the Carolinas and Florida, but um, not much outside of that. But um, but that's the, that was the gist of it as far as my experience goes. That was all the last century. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> right. How old are we? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, St. Simon's, man, that's not a bad gig over there. Yeah. No, it's great. Um it was, I worked there for a year, lived there for a year working for my dad and my brother-in-law. My dad, my my dad, my, my sister and their families all live there. Um, my, what my, type of business was that? that um, running so my, my parents have lived there since 93, but I was, I was born here in Atlanta and then they moved there. We moved there from when I was age one through four and then they moved okay. back, back in 93 and um, my dad's a lawyer and my brother-in-law is also a lawyer. So they have a, a small office called Katz and Brooks. So I worked for them doing everything from being a gopher to <laughs> doing uh, yeah, research, um, investigative work, and so a little bit of everything. But um, it was fun. It was a good experience. It was just um, I missed journalism, so I went back into um, journalism full-time after that. You should Otherwise, they would have re- renamed the firm uh, Cats and Gophers, right? Right, something like that. <laughs> All right, so um, – uh, and so as we over a dozen awards for his articles, uh, as we mentioned, as a Georgia Sports Writer Association and Georgia Press Association. Currently, he's a news editor of the neighbor newspapers, Northside Bureau, 
which covers mainly Buckhead, which we're uh, obviously big fans of being on the Buckhead Business uh, Podcast here. And uh, members of the BBA, we'll talk about in a minute. But also covering uh, what's happening in Sandy Springs, Midtown, and downtown Atlanta and other suburbs as well. So um, let's talk, a, we mentioned a little bit about your background and so early on. So where, when did you pick up the reporter bug? How did that happen? Um, well, it goes back to my childhood. My parents got me a subscription to Sports Illustrated when I was only about 12. <laughs> wow. And back then I was probably just looking at the pictures and, you know, not really reading the articles that much. But um, over the years, I got more interested in, you know, reading every every article in there and read it cover to cover and actually got to meet a couple of sports writers um, in high school and college. Um, Gary Smith, who wrote for Sports Illustrated, and he may still do. I don't I don't know because uh, I don't have a subscription anymore. But also in college, that was high school, and then in college, um, it's Mar- um, it's, I think his name is Mark Feinstein. I'm trying to think of his first name. I know his last name is Feinstein. He was the reporter who wrote the um, Season on the Brink book about Bobby Knight in Indiana basketball. Right. Um, and, uh, also Frank DeFord, who was on NPR for a number of years and, um, other wrote a bunch of books, um, as well. And, um, so they both spoke at my college, uh, when I was at Presbyterian college in South Carolina, excuse me. So that was a lot, that was a lot, big influence on me, you know, being able to meet them and talk to them. So I worked, I worked for the student newspaper in the yearbook in college and, um, Although I wasn't much of a journalist then, I think I learned a lot of it just uh, on the fly from the experience of my first job full-time. Because right. um, I had a good editor named Joe Baggett who... Um, Shout out to Joe. <laughs> right. Well, he, he was good at, as far as an editor goes, but he was a, kind of a mean person, so he's kind of hard to deal with as a person. All right. We, we, um, but, uh, at the, but at the same time, he was he was a very good editor, Um he went to, I think, UGA Journalism School and taught us a lot, you know, myself and the other reporters there. So should about, we resend that shout-out then? Yeah. No, I, well, yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, but um, it was it was a good experience because um, he taught me a lot about journalism. And um, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, uh, um, quite a list of mentors, I guess, that you would you looked up to early on, Gary Smith, as far as from a sports standpoint, and then when you got into your career. Have you ever had the opportunity to mentor people, or do you have the up-and-coming generation uh, reaching out to you, or are you in any, uh, uh, as a consultant or anything, or just even working in the... Um, in the newspaper business, Northside neighbor. Mm-hmm. I imagine the new guys coming on board, they look to you as the veteran now and uh, right. pick your brain. Well, um, over the years, I've been able to mentor a lot of <clears throat> sports and news reporters, um, which has been a lot of fun. Um, and I've had <clears throat> a lot of good ones over the years. But, you know, so every, every time we hire a new reporter, um, there's obviously some mentorship there. I haven't done any, like, mentoring outside of work as far as, um, you know, other reporters. But, right. Um, but within the company, I've, over the years, there's been probably, you know, a dozen or more. Oh, sure. <clears throat> or, you know, and um, it's good. Sometimes I'll, you know, I always keep up with them, you know, what they're doing nowadays because they move on to other jobs and some some move out of town, but keep up with them as much as I can. And and it's good to see uh, one of them just reached out to me recently and just she lives in Baltimore now and um, 
just to check in. So it's good to hear from them every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that brings us up to kind of current news, if you will. But uh, you mentioned uh, sports and news. Talk to me about what's the either the differences or the challenges of reporting for sports as opposed to news, mm-hmm. and uh, not so which one you prefer. But what's what's makes each one of those kind of because uh, you're reporting. But what makes it different when well, you're I, talking sports <clears throat> versus news? I think um, sports can be more fun, obviously, just because you get to cover, um, you know. Everything from professional sports all the way down to amateur sports, little league, et cetera. Um, you know, they they both require good journalistic skills as far as paying attention and, um, you know, keeping track of what's going on, whether it's a city council meeting or a, you know, baseball game. Um, I think I've been able to cover a lot of different interesting things over the years, both in sports and um, news and features, which I guess – some of the highlights were uh, back when I was a sports writer, I got to interview some Major League Baseball players for a couple of articles when I was working in Milledgeville because they had two um, Major Leaguers who were from that area. So I interviewed them when they came to play the Braves, and I got to go down to um, Turner Field and interview and go to the clubhouses and the dugouts wow. and on the field during batting practice and wow. um got to interview bobby cox and Dang. so and um it was funny there was i was going to try to interview vladimir guerrero when he was with the expos right when i was doing a story on rondell white who was playing for them at the time but one of the reporters who was there said don't even you know we may not even want to try because he doesn't speak any english <laughs> right. it's so, a little you, challenge, yeah. Yeah. so unless you have a translator or no spanish just forget about it but that's, um but you yeah get your Rosetta that, Stone that, update yeah yeah but that was a lot of fun um as a news writer i've been able to interview people like um uh the u.s senator um david purdue wow. and um also johnny isaacson and the former senator um who's retired now from I'm trying to think of his name, one from South Georgia. Um, well, while you're thinking of that, quick question. So, I imagine in sports, it's more kind of you know entertainment. It's not there's not a lot of controversy, although mm-hmm. there are so, some of those cases, right? But it's more they're excited to you know uh, when the reporter shows up. And correct me if I'm wrong, but um, maybe an overstatement as well. But a reporter shows up to, t- to talk to an athlete. They're kind of probably excited because you know that's going to increase their their fame, their notoriety, and more media coverage. But right. when you start talking news, uh, I mean, how much pushback do you get? Because a reporter shows up all of a sudden. I mean, when when we bring people in the studio, they get sometimes nervous, thinking we're going to um, try to catch them off guard, right. you know, and get that headline that they're not going to want to see. Mm-hmm. So how do you? Um, uh, you know, put them at ease, but also you don't want to do just a puff you know, issues sometimes too, but I mean, you're not really in the hard news. You're not trying to uh, create controversy typically, right? Right. Well, we've covered more hard news over the years. We The neighbor papers, when they started, didn't do a lot of crime reporting, but right. that's changed some over the years because we do a lot more now. And I think that partly was due to the fact that when we went to, when we added a website and we covered more breaking news, yeah. that sort of added to it. But that's a good question. I think, um, you know, I think the people like with the, local municipal governments like city council or county commission, they know we're going to cover those meetings anyway. So they right. sort of expect it. But uh, at the same time, if it's um, like a, like a murder case or a, um, you know, some sort of crime story, the, the police may, or most of the time they are pretty um, 
responsive to us because I think they're they're told they're that's their job. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, there are times when the um, you know, we we're covering something and it's it's breaking news or it's something controversial where right. the the people we're covering may not want that coverage sure, because yeah. it's a negative thing. Right. And I guess one example is um, some people just won't talk to us. Yeah. Just because. I mean, how, how do you get, is there techniques you can kind of get around that? And I'm thinking more about, I don't know how much, uh, like in terms of uh, business coverage or companies, you know, cause we're on the pro business channel. So um, we've had consultants come in here and they kind of coach uh uh, senior level executives, you know, how to play nice with the media and so forth. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, whether it's a 60 minutes, you know, phenomenon or, you know, that, that stereotype, but uh, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because you want to kind of get something that's going to sell papers and make, uh, uh, create interest, right? but they don't really want to, <laughs> they don't, yeah, don't want a headline, you know, that's going to yeah, make some, them look bad. Some people are more media shy than others. And I yeah. think some have more coaching as far as dealing with the media right um we i think it's a matter of trust i think if if they know you know who we are and what type of paper we are and that we're not there we're we're just really there to get their side we're not okay we're not trying to you know make things worse but at the same time if it's a controversial subject they may still not want to talk because it's you know controversial for example um and of course, we've found different ways to reach out to people over the years. Nowadays, with social media, we use that sometimes if we right. can't get in touch with someone through like their office or their cell phone, if we if we even have access to that number. Because right. um, it's sometimes with nowadays with people you know working from home or not having a regular office, they may not have a phone number you could look up because right. back in the old days, and you, know, you could just go to up, the phone book, go to the phone book and find <laughs> it. And, yeah, and and it, just call them, but. Um, so we use social media. There was a case where I um, did a story on a one of these house parties where people take a, a these you know five thousand square foot mansions right. and and rent them out for these big parties. And there was an illegal party that took place in June, and some people in Sandy Springs were upset about it because oh yeah um, they didn't, it apparently had people, security guards carrying assault weapons wow and all sorts of crazy stuff. And so I sent him a message on Facebook to the owner of the house and he never responded, but that's just one way we use, um, that's one way we try to reach out to sources. If, if the traditional methods of calling them on the phone don't work anymore because there, there's no phone number listed. for. And is one of the techniques, uh, as a reporter, you would say, uh, let's get your story. So in, in your own words, right. so you can, we can tell it, uh, rather than it being permeated through back through social media and, or on the internet and right. it's not their version of it. Right. Yeah. Is that and a technique to get them? Yeah. You know, I, I always try to say, you know, I'm just <clears throat> trying to get your side of the story. Right, yeah. And also for, for example, um, and this happens a lot with some political candidates where some are media shy, especially if it's a large, um, election where there's like a dozen candidates or less, um, which happens occasionally, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll try to be as fair as we can, where we will, if we can't get in touch with someone, we'll take whatever information we can pull off of their campaign website or their Facebook page or whatever it may be to quote them, you know, directly from that. And and instead of just leaving their, their side out altogether. Right. Um, I mean, but some of those, those stories for a candidate, uh, they want to get, you know, they need the name recognition. They want to get in front of the media can make or break, um, 
their campaign sometimes, right? Because right. the wrong story at the wrong time, it's sometimes that story just takes on a life of its own and it's hard for them to get past it. Yeah. But if they're not, um, you know, it's a, if they're not in front of the media, you know, they need, they need the name recognition, right? Yeah. It's surprising sometimes when certain candidates won't, won't call you back or, or right, yeah. an email or whatever it may be, because usually they're, you know, especially for the lesser known candidates, they, it's free they, need, press. To get their, they need to get their free, name out there. Yeah. It's free advertising, right? Sure. So um, I don't, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess, but the bottom line is some people just are more media shy than others. Yeah. yeah. So no, that's, that's, that's absolutely correct. All right. So, um, you mentioned, um, one of your mentors, I think about a book, have you ever thought about writing a book mm-hmm. or, uh, yeah. Yeah. Both nonfiction and fiction. Cause okay. I, um, you know, I got an English degree, um, from Presbyterian college. So I read a lot of, you know, short stories and novels over the years and, I haven't written anything yet, but I have some ideas in mind. Okay. So. Um, what do you think would come first, fiction or nonfiction? <clears throat> Probably nonfiction, just because I yeah. do more of that as a reporter than right. anything. So. And then uh, uh, what about, you mentioned NPR earlier. Have you ever thought about doing uh, radio or podcast? or? Um, um, I think, yeah, if someone asked me to, I would. Yeah. I don't think I would necessarily. I've applied for <clears throat> um jobs in the past with um radio stations but yeah. um i think it would be something maybe that i would have to do in addition to being a regular reporter just because or or maybe a job that included both um because it's kind of kind of daunting to just think about going straight from print media to radio or podcast yeah, yeah. but at the same time a lot of people have done that so yeah, big time. And um, I mean, Northside Neighbor, do they have a podcast or? Um? No, um, and I think that's something we may do in the future because a lot of newspapers nowadays are doing it. Um, yeah. Especially the daily papers. I know that um, the AJC has probably two or three. They have because I um, read a couple of different websites, right? And I know they have one. I think main one for their just main website, and they have one for. Um, dognation.com which right, is yeah. just devoted to University of Georgia sports. Right, yeah. So <laughs> well maybe we, we'll talk off air maybe we can do a sports podcast with you or you can head up a sports podcast or for the Northside neighbor because it'd be interesting you may, we'll talk about in a second the new trends and what's happening as far as the internet but that's just another piece to the mix right so you have the print version you have your digital online version but maybe like we've thought about doing something like a um a weekly or daily you know, kind of news summary of what's happening in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you can host the uh, Buckhead podcast. Just don't tell Michael Moore because right. <laughs> that's normally his gig. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so let's talk about trends of what's happening. And just in your, I mean, you've seen uh, in the 23 years, I imagine, massive evolution in this oh, yeah. space, right? So it's, it's crazy because, I mean, when I started, it was cutting, pa- cutting and pasting days, <laughs> right. and we had at the Marriott office. Wow. the company, the company I work for, our Marriott office is the corporate headquarters, and we had this whole room devoted just to that, where they had these big sort of easel table things, where you would take, um, you know, you would take a page right, yeah. that would, became the newspaper page, and you would put the paper paper together piece by piece using the um, the exacto knives, the exacto and, everything? knives wow. and, the, and the different lines and cut out the articles on the special paper that had um, adhesive properties. Well, not right. well, it wasn't glued on the back, but you would, but it was easier. Almost to, like a sticky note kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it wasn't quite. We would use like 
paper cement or some sort yeah, of yeah. glue to, to glue it on, <laughs> but it, it was, it was, um, I, I can't remember exactly what we used. Paper but, cement. How old are you? Whatever, right? <laughs> so it was, are we? but it was, uh, I think they call it like V-Lox paper where the, the, yeah. the back of it had, it was just easier to, to stick to something. Sure. It didn't have any kind of sticky properties like a post-it note would, Yeah, but it was, um, but you would just pay, put it on, you know, the, the page like that. And that was a, you know, a very meticulous, Oh yeah, time-consuming process. So when you literally said uh, uh, "cut and paste," it was literally. I remember that I'd spend and when I was in college out in California, I'd I'd camp out at the Kinkos and just uh, working on projects. Mm-hmm. And we you get the scissors out or the uh, the cutting board and and do all that. So uh, right. b- before we transition to the new technology and trends, I just remind remind our listeners you're listening to the Buckhead Podcast, made possible in part by the Buckhead Business Association. Check them out at buckheadbusiness.org. And that happens typically every Thursday. There's a breakfast that you can attend as a guest, and I encourage you to join on the website. Find out more information about that. Every third Thursday, they do an evening mixer. Those are always um, uh, interesting at a local uh, joint here in Buckhead. And again, uh, we're speaking with Everett Katz. He's uh, currently a uh, news reporter, primarily at the uh, Northside Neighbor. And uh, you can check them out. That's uh, The website is north, northside-neighbor.com. Right? How could they reach out to you? Uh, what's your Snapchat or your uh, your MySpace <laughs> handler? Um, all right, so I have a Twitter feed called um, I believe it's well, we have one for the Northside neighbor. It says at Northside, spelled out N O R T H S I D E, and then N B R, which is short for neighbor. Sure. And then I think mine is at Neighbor Everett, so it's just neighbor spelled out and Everett, my first name, put together. With two uh, T's at the end, right? And then we have, uh, and then I can be reached via email at ecats at neighbornewspapers dot com. So it's my first initial and last name, and then at neighbor, which is singular, newspapers, which is plural dot com. Okay, cool. And home address or social security number? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can give you our office so. address. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Office address is fifty two ninety Roswell Road, Suite <laughs> M is in Mary, Atlanta, Georgia three zero three four two. Yeah, stop by. And knock on the door, and Everett will be there, yeah, waiting for you. Yeah, right. So, so, so we we're all, we got a little bit of extra time here. Oh, we want to stay on time. So, uh, briefly, um, you know, new technology, internet, website, and so forth. But at time permitting, we want to talk about kind of your a day in the life of a reporter. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's try to hit both of those topics. So, talk to, back to the uh, trends. We, we've moved from literally cutting paper and pasting it to the internet. Right. So, well. I'll- just briefly tell you, so around 97, I think it was, we switched to what we call pagination, which is where you can um, put together the page on a computer, which is, of course, nowadays is old hat because right. that was 20 years ago or 22 years ago. But um, so th- obviously technology has changed and become more evolved. And so over the years, you know, nowadays what we can do, we the company I work for ha- um, has a subscription to a service called um, Total CMS, which is by a company called Town News. CMS stands for Content Management Service, and content a content management service or a content management site is the website that every newspaper uses, and each one has probably a different one, um, to post their content on their website. But this new service that we just started in, in March that's an upgrade of our um, previous CMS allows us to not only post content online, but it's completely ready to go to in print at the same wow. time. So that saves us a lot of time and Big energy. Time. And um, we have we had an old software called Falcon that we were using for the print side of things, and we no longer have to use that. 
and that's good because it would crash occasionally and we'd have we'd have some occasional problems with it um just being unreliable so this new way is much more streamlined much more much faster and much easier to use so talking about fast, um, we mentioned before we went on the air deadlines. So mm-hmm. what is it? This is a weekly publication, right? Right. Has so, it ever been a daily or uh, did it start out as a monthly or what has it, uh, has it always been traditionally? The neighbor papers have always been weekly okay. as far as I know. Um, and the Northside neighbors and Sandy Springs neighbor have been in existence since 1968. And we're wow. the flagship newspaper for the, as far as the neighbor papers go, as far as the company is concerned. And how many neighbors are we talking here? <laughs> um, well, some have ceased publication over the years, but now I think we have eight counties that we cover. Wow. And that includes also the Cherokee Tribune, which is a daily paper, and the um, Marietta Daily Journal, which is also daily. Wow. So, um, all but, under that, that brand? or all, mm-hmm. Wow. So as far as the neighbors go, I think it's Bartow, Douglas, Paulding, um, DeKalb, Fulton, and... We have some Cobb neighbors, too, that are, that are basically where they take the Marietta Daily Journal's articles and just run them repurpose again. Repurpose them. Yeah. Right, repurpose them. So as far as deadlines go, um, since we are a weekly, it's we have a sort of a, a week-long cycle where every Thursday we have a budget meeting. And, and when I say budget meeting, it's not about you know your company's budget, but it's about the, what we call the budget is just a list of the articles that we're going to be publishing in the next print edition. So we meet about... The print edition that comes out 13 days from then um, and go over what stories we're going to have, um, any ideas we have that, you know, we want to bring up then. And then um, we start working on those articles on, I guess, that on that day. We start contacting um, public relations professionals and other sources to set up interviews, whether, you know, depending on what the article is. And um, by Wednesday, usually I tell everyone my deadline's 4 p.m. Wednesday as far as the print edition goes because we have to have everything in by 11 a.m. Thursday. So um, usually by the end of the day, Wednesday, I'm done with all of my articles so I can focus on editing my staff's um, remaining stories that I haven't edited yet. Right. Um, so it, but also because we have a website, there's a sort of a daily deadline that's built in where any kind of article that we have that we're working on, especially breaking news, we want to post it online immediately just to get the news out there and try to get it out there before anyone else does. Yeah, I have a couple of questions on um, the headlines and the cover story, but bef- uh, before we get to this, well, actually, let's address this because I want to talk about how technology is disrupted or enhanced, mm-hmm. um, you know, the ability to report or the brand that you guys have under, under all of those um, umbrella newspapers or print copies, but um, you mentioned these deadlines and the budget in terms of budget meetings. In terms of budgeting, I guess how much each story is going to cover. How you know how you're going to uh, dispense all those stories within one publication? How many pages typically does that run? Ball the Northside Neighbor is usually it's average. It's gotten smaller over the years. Yeah. In fact, that's um, a good question because back in the old days before the recession, like 2005. 2006, it was about 40 to 48 pages. Nowadays, it's more like 20 or less, probably 20, sometimes 24. Um, but it's gotten much smaller just because 
you know, things like classified advertising has gone pretty much all digital. We right. have one page for classified ads now, and it used to be a whole section. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I so, mean, there were songs written about that and everything, right? right. The classifieds and all that stuff. So talk about, but what about delivery distribution that comes both in the mailbox as well as at distribution points, I guess? Or So, um, and there's, the company it's free has, subscription? Or? Right. So the company has, um, well, the Northside neighbor and the Sand Springs neighbor have a delivery of 30,000 single-family homes. Wow. And inside the perimeter, it's delivered by the by mail. Okay. Um, but we're the only neighbor paper that does this. And outside the perimeter, like in mainly Sandy Springs and I think maybe Vinings, it's delivered um, by carriers throwing them in the yards and the driveway. Right. And then company wide, we have um, about three hundred and fifty thousand um, circulation for all the papers wow. combined, which includes. Um, the papers it, it, in in the Rome area also because the company bought the Rome News Tribune about four years ago and has been printing the papers there since then. Right, and um, and there's it's not a subscription cost, whatever, right? It's right, a free all the papers are free as far as subscriptions go. That's a good question. Yeah. The Marietta Daily Journal and the Cherokee Tribune they are paid subscriptions because they're daily papers. Oh, okay. But all the weeklies, um, and I'm guessing also the Rome News Tribune is a Paid yeah. subscription because it's a daily, but um, sure. all the they, all the neighbor papers have free subscriptions. So it's um, the only the, the way we make money is through advertising. Sure, um, and I just had a flashback when you talked about you know delivering to the uh, uh, the homes a daily. I had a paper route back when I was that was my first job when oh, I was yeah? a kid. Yeah, <laughs> delivering the local uh, what was it called the Leesburg Journal or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. in uh, Leesburg, Florida. But meanwhile. Um, we got to do some rapid fire questions here before we run out of time. Um, so, who decides what the cover story? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the thought process uh, there? What makes it a cover story and not? Who makes that decision? I mean, is you get into some heated battles over that, or is it kind of obvious? A lot of times, uh, usually it's obvious, but sometimes there's some battles. It just depends. I think. Most, do you have to pitch that sometimes, like this, you know, my story should be the cover story this week kind of thing? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm the news editor, so I have a lot of control over that, which is good. Um, yeah. Our papers used to be laid out by the neighbor editors and reporters, but now it's done by the copy desk staff okay. um, because they sort of centralized everything to, uh, about three years ago. So um, it just depends. I think um, sometimes it's it's whatever is the hot topic. Right. Or whatever the, the most interesting story is. And then sometimes it's, um, you know, maybe the the, fo- the story with the best photos. It just, yeah. It, but, but also it would have to have a lot of, you know, some sort of news value. It wouldn't just be because it had a good photo. Right, obviously. right. Um, and this is a little out of left field, but I'm just picturing like your offices there. Do you ever do tours or like have interns or schools come through there and mm-hmm. kind of uh, – get to see the process because the printing is done there as well or um... back when the uh, Marriott office had uh, was doing all the printing um, we would have tours there and I've led a couple of them um, one was think for like a Boy Scout troop yeah yeah which, was, a lot, which was fun because yeah. the kids eyes just get oh yeah saucers when they see right. the printing press <laughs> right. but um, when the company decided to um, move all the printing when they bought the new Rome News Tribune and yeah. moved all the printing jobs up there. Um, obviously, those tours stopped because the printing it, press is no longer in use. In fact, they sold that property to the Cobb County School District oh, because wow. it owned the property next to it. Wow, that's interesting. Um, another random thought here. I was thinking about um, when you were talking about the newspaper business. Uh, there was a movie recently, I think, with Tom Hanks. Uh, was it about the, the New York? The Post? Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Or, um, yes. Yeah. I'd imagine uh, that would be either a big yes or no, right? Because if you're working, that's what you do all day long. Maybe that's not something, but 
Um, so what was your, I, I was, I didn't see it, but I was kind of intrigued. Was it, uh, kind of real to life? Did it resonate with you or was it an so. interesting it, story? Or? It was really interesting. I mean, it takes place, I think in the late sixties, early seventies, right you know, during the Vietnam days. And I think right when, right when Nixon was about to resign, um, cause it talked, you know, it, it's whole, the whole theme of the movie is about the, some of the things that eventually get, you know, brought up in the Watergate scandal. Right, right. Um, but I think it was a very good movie. It was, it was interesting, especially interesting because they go through the old school journalism of how they do the, um, newspaper, you know, going back to like the cutting and pasting days and the, and right. the, the lion type and the printing presses and everything. And so it was neat to see those scenes when they, yeah. when they went through that whole process. Cause that, I mean, those, that even precedes my days sure. as a journalist. Cause I wasn't, you know, wasn't even born when some of that was happening. So. Yeah, but just from the trailer that I saw, it just seemed like uh, it could be some intense moments, right? Of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I guess Tom is one of the leading characters who's kind of fighting for, you know, his story. And mm-hmm. there's, uh, there's got to be a lot of uh, behind the scenes drama that happens of like, uh, why does one story hit it? You know, money kind of drives it. You know, there's advertising, and mm-hmm. you know, if you drive a story, it's going to offend um, some of your bigger advertisers that are funding the paper. Right. You know, there's you get a mixed bag of. And that, that's right? that's an interesting conundrum because yeah. I think in that case there was you know it's a very sensitive story and it was um they you know they were originally not going to publish it right. and um because of all the political ramifications right, yeah. and also I think it was going to anger some advertisers sure. to the point where they would pull their advertising yeah. and they didn't want to you know the paper yep. to go under because of it so yeah. Speaking of papers going under, so that brings us back full circle to the Internet Mm -hmm. and uh, technology. And so have you seen where papers didn't adopt a digital version? And then at some point, will we no longer see, you know, uh, a paper we can hold in our hand? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, what's your prediction if you had a crystal ball look into the future that? um, It's a good question, I think. Um, you know, the company I work for has put a lot more emphasis on our website in the last five years um, because I think eventually there may not be a print paper in, exist- yeah. in existence nationwide and worldwide because I think the trend is, you know, eventually everything's going to be online. Sure. And there may even be like a technology where you hit a button on your phone or something and there's like a hologram of the paper that right, appears. Right, yeah. Because it's just there's so much new technology coming in with like, you know, virtual reality and everything but um you know, i guess just to answer your question uh i think probably 25 years maybe 50 years that might be the case but i don't think it's going to happen anytime really soon in our lifetime yeah but at the same time new york times ceo was um interviewed for msnbc or another um website article where he had said within 10 years maybe they would no longer have a print edition just because wow. their their website is becoming so popular and they're adding so many online subscribers that um, it's because of its increased, I guess, uh, subscribers that they they may not need the print edition. Well, when you look at the the cost of the paper, the cost of all the moving parts, the the, mm-hmm. the mechanics to put that together, the printing, you know, all the the chemicals and so forth involved, and then the distribution, <clears throat> and then it doesn't give you the flexibility. Once it's on paper, you can't uh, you know rescind that or retract that, right? right. And it's true. And um, you know, not just in the news cycle that we're in. But if something, um, you know, pivots or whatever, you're able to modify that in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, there, there's still going to be the diehards that like to, you know, like it, right now I'm in the studio with all the technology going on. And uh, both of us have a 
a piece of paper in our hand, right? Because right. we, you know, sometimes we'll use uh, websites to look up up there, but then you hit a wrong button and all your content just is gone, you know? Right. And then you, it's hard to pull that back in real time, whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting trend. I think, you know, as the baby boomers, that generation dies off and the, and the you know, even the generation of, you know, the older generations, I guess the one. The Gen X or um, yeah. Right. I think, you know, as you get into the younger and younger um, populations, sure. as far as the millennials and everybody, they're more into reading things, you know, online for, through their phone or their iPad or whatever it may be. So it just seems like it's, you know, the the evolution of newspapers is eventually there may not be print newspapers well and the other the other piece of that is content on demand right so mm-hmm. it's um you know you set up your settings of your notifications of what um uh, what what stories you want to follow and they automatic automatically appear in your inbox right. based on your subject matter not what the paper or that even the digital version of the paper decides to uh to release you know sure all right Everett. so we we are a little bit uh over time out of time um so I appreciate your time here in the studio. and um, well, Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah. So uh, give us close a little bit with the BBA. Uh, we mentioned the Buckhead Business Association, uh, your involvement, the, the newspaper involved. What is, you know, what do you all do in terms of a media partner and your involvement with the Buckhead Business Association? Well, um, you know, we like to, I'm, I enjoy covering the meetings and I go to usually one, at least once meeting, one meeting a month. Um, and I think we've sponsored their um, signature luncheon. Um, so we, we like to partner with them and we cover a lot of their, their big events, especially the signature luncheon, the annual luncheon and the taste of Buckhead. We usually do a preview or a review story on all of those. Um, and you know, they have always, they've had some really good speakers over the years. Oh, yeah. Um, I've met a lot of interesting people, um, you know, both from a, you know, a wide variety of industries from government to entertainment to, uh, even sports. So, yeah. But they've, they've been great to work with. Well, we appreciate your time again. Uh, Everett Katz, uh, writer, journalist, uh, 23 years experience, as we mentioned, uh, currently with the Northside Neighbor. And you can check them out at northside-neighbor.com and maybe a future podcast hosted in the studio. We'll talk off air. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Everett. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us and our guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of the Buckhead Business Show. Brought to you by the Buckhead Business Association.